Great. Welcome to the Grow to Gold podcast. On today's episode, I have a good friend and mentor of mine, Derek Landino. I am super excited to introduce him to the world. He is an investor, he is a mentor, and he is somebody with extremely high standards, and he holds other people accountable to a level that makes them better. So Derek, welcome to the show. I'm excited to have you on. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Super appreciative and uh, congratulations on all the success, man. I feel like uh, you're killing it right now. And uh, it's awesome to see after you took a big, uh, big step in a, away from, uh, you know, kind of being direct in the solar industry. So congrats, man. Thank you, bro. I'm excited for that. And that means a lot to me coming from you. So let's you jump right in, man. Haters, man. And so just know that if you're not, if you don't have haters, you're not doing big things. There we go. Right into the value. I love it. So Derek, let's just set the tone on this. So tell everybody your story, where you come from. What's, uh, what's the beginning story of Derek Landino? Oh man. Um, I don't know if I've ever actually uh, gotten real in depth with anybody, with anybody on where I've come from. Um, I was born in Naples, Florida. Um, which sounds awesome because I know a lot of money's down in Florida, but I wasn't one of them and my parents weren't one of them either. Um, my mom was 16 when she had me 15 at pregnant at 15. Um, and my dad was, you know, young dude as well. Um, didn't come from the greatest, uh, upbringing. Both my parents were on drugs and alcohol. Um, most of my life, uh, they got divorced at a young age and, uh, yeah. So, you know, I've, I went through tons of, uh, just struggles, uh, as a, as a young individual, um, obviously my mom and, you know, uh, my mom e either high or drunk, um, you know, on some sort of drug, um, didn't have a lot of stability growing up, um, was just really looking for something, uh, something out there and, uh, and mentorship I actually didn't realize I needed mentorship, but anyway, I, I became a pretty, uh, pretty rough kid, uh, was always getting in fights, disrespected just about everybody. Um, you know, my, my dad wasn't around, uh, after he got divorced, he got moved away to Illinois, got remarried, had kids. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I was just kind of bounced around a lot. Um, when I was, uh, 12 years old, I think it was, uh, I was, I got on a call one night with my, uh, grandfather and it was the weirdest thing ever. I was, uh, I felt really weird. I, I was in bed and I started crying. I felt something like something was wrong. Um, with my mom, I got a call that my mom was, uh, dropped off, um, at the hospital out of a van left for dead. And, uh, she was in a, a coma. She had a 5% chance of living and, uh, she was living on the streets at the time, uh, in, you know, drug houses. And, uh, so she was in the hospital, she wasn't going to live, she, you know? And, uh, so my grandfather, my grandfather said, Hey, you know, you need to get down here and see your mom for the last time. And, uh, so I went down there and seen her on tubes and in a coma. It was the craziest thing I've ever seen. And, um, you know, the day I was leaving to say bye to her, you know, even though she was in a coma, a tear came down her eye, which was crazy to think. She knew I was there and uh, she came out of the coma and, uh, you know, she had a stroke, though, and she ended up getting better. Right. So she ended up becoming sober, things like that. But through a lot of that stuff, um, I just struggled a lot with, I, I didn't get a lot of love growing up. And, uh, and so I bounced around from my dad's house in Illinois to my mom's house, um, got in fights, suspended from school all the time. Um, you know, I, uh, 
one year I got to spend like 30 times from school was getting ready to head to a military school, um, for, for those types of kids. Um, eventually kind of fast forwarding. Um, I, uh, when I was around, I'd say 14, maybe uh, seventh grade, my dad told me he never wanted to see me again. Um, I was living with a buddy of mine and, uh, I called my mom and said, Hey, I need to come live with you. And she said, I don't really want you either. Uh, you know, if you get in trouble one time, I'm sending you to a boarding school somewhere. And then I said, okay. So I went to my grandma's, uh, for a little bit in Florida and that was horrible. Didn't work. And, uh, so then my uncle took me in, my uncle took me in when I was, uh, in seventh grade and he's the one person I kind of attribute like changing my life around. He took me in uh, in seventh grade, uh, built out a bedroom for me in his garage and uh, scared the living shit out of me and scared. I mean, just absolutely scared the living shit out of me because I was a punk ass kid. And um, he basically showed me that, hey, you're headed to jail um, and or you're going to be dead. And so, like, this is where you're headed. And so I uh, turned my life around with my uncle, man, um, stayed on sport. I played sports my whole life. And so I started learning that. I could actually go to college on a sports scholarship. And uh, from that point on, man, just did really well. I, I decided that I wasn't going to let my mother's background um, or, you know, anything like that kind of get in my way and decide like, hey, that's an excuse. Like, oh, I'm this way because of my mom or my dad. And I just didn't have a lot of uh, structure. And so I decided like, hey, first off, it's not really cool to be that kind of guy. Um, that's always getting in trouble and, and disrespecting everybody. And so um, I started doing really well in school, uh, really had a, um, a, a big success in, in sports. And uh, yeah, and then I ended up uh, four years later going back to live with my dad because I wanted to be with one of my family members. And, uh, it, and so that's most of my life, I mean, in, in a short and brief. But uh, yeah, I, I struggled, you know, growing up. I um, I was in a mental institute when I was around uh, 12. My parents put me, my dad did, because I said I wanted to kill myself. I wanted to kill my, my dad. I hated my life. Um, I used to sit in my bed and cry. Um, I, I would, you know, put holes in walls. Um, I just thought I was in this deep ditch that I could never get out of. And, um, yeah, man, I just, I, there was times in my life I just didn't want to be around. And uh, I was like, I just want this to end. And, and uh, thankfully, I, I didn't, you know, do that. But um, yeah, uh, my my childhood was a struggle. That's for sure. Thanks for sharing that with us, man. That that's I really appreciate you being vulnerable. My question for you is, what was it about your uncle? Because you said he was the one that turned your life around. What was it about your uncle? Was he just an inspiration for you? Like how? What, what did he do for you? Yeah. So my uncle was structure, man. That that was the structure and love, uh, the two things that I was missing. Uh, my uncle was really hard on me, and I think. You'll, you'll, you know, if you know me um, as well, he was really hard on me and didn't necessarily like always come out and hug me and kiss me and say, love me. But he was really hard on me, gave me a lot of structure. And ultimately, I just knew that he was a good person. and He loved me because of what he was doing. Um, he had his own kids as well. And he brought me in. So he just provided structure, man. Like I had to, I could um, literally only go out one time a week, I had to be home by like 930 on a Friday night. Couldn't do a lot of things. He made me like cut the grass with clippers uh, because I, again, he was like, I'm going to, I'm going to teach you, dude. And he's, you know, my uncle's six, five, you know, 
300 pounds, like a dude, you just don't mess with. And so, you know, he told me you ever walk in my house with your pants down your ass. I'm going to, I'm going to drop them. I'm going to make you, I'm going to embarrass the shit out of you. Just like I said, scared the shit out of me, but gave me structure. You know, he had a great job. Um, he, you knew that you were going to come home to dinner every night. Um, and he just made it very clear. Like you are going to live in this house. You're going to follow my rules and, um, you're going to do things a certain way. And so, yeah, that's interesting, man. And for me, you and I have had the, I've had the pleasure to work with you directly. And it makes a lot of sense now because you've never even shared that with me in terms of where that structure comes from, because you're the type of person, man, where there's not a lot of talk with you. It's very much like, I'm going to do it. Here's the structure, follow me. And if you don't, I'm not going to force you. And it makes a lot of sense now hearing your story because that's the standards that you hold other people to. And as a result, you make people better. And it sounds like that's exactly what your uncle did for you. So I appreciate you sharing that, man. That connects a lot of dots for me personally. Yeah, man. It was, uh, yeah, structure, man. Structure and love is, is what it was. And I didn't understand that towards the, you know, when I was there, I actually got into a lot of, you know, heated arguments with my uncle. And towards the end, I was just like, dude, I just want to go live with, you know, my dad. And, uh, and yeah, but, it, you know, he, he really kind of helped me get myself to where I needed to be at that time in my life. So. Yeah, that makes total sense. So, so fast forward now. So how do you, because that's, I was thinking about a name of this episode as I go through this. And when I think of you, and I said this to you pre-show, I think of structure and culture. I think of somebody that holds people accountable and makes people better. So how does implementing culture, structure, standards, like how does that within any company, because now you're somebody that's involved in multiple different business ventures, how do you bring that into business and help them go to the next level or start them the right way? Yeah, I think that, you know, you have to start with the basics. I think today in um, a lot of just a lot of different companies or industries, you know, people want to move too fast and they don't want to take the time to provide the structure because it, it is pretty timely, right? You have to sit down and, and really um, start slow. And I think, you know, for me, it's always been like, hey, let, let's develop like a really good structure first. And that's what's most important. And then from there, we can easily follow that structure and, um, you know, develop relationships, which culture to me is just developing relationships and really understanding your people and what they need. And so I think, you know, when you have that structure, you don't have to focus as much as um, on all this um, craziness, right? You can just you can just kind of really focus and say, okay, here's a structure. Here's what we're going to do. Let's go execute on that structure um, and stay in that lane. And then at the same time, we can, you know, really develop relationships and people. And so, um, yeah, that's what I would say. Yeah, that's, that, that's great. And then how important do you feel like it is aside from all of that to always make sure you're leading from the front and doing the work? Because I know that's a big thing that defines you is you're the type of person where no matter what, I'm going to get it done. Like that's just what's well, going mean, to happen. I mean, I think uh, that just comes honestly from, and I think everyone's different with that mindset, but honestly, man, like I'm not, I don't come from a lot. Um, you know, my uncle dropped out of high school, my mom dropped out of high school, but they, you know, they both ran successful businesses uh, in construction. My grandpa, the same, same way, you know, my grandfather, my grandfather uh, is a um, VP for a large construction company and so is my uncle, but they always work their way up from the bottom. And so I think it's just that mindset of, 
you know, we're not better than anybody and we can all do the job. And, and so I just kind of always had that mentality of like, Hey man, I'm never going to ask you to do something that I wouldn't do. And I just think people really respect that. Um, because I am just like them, right. I'm, I'm no better than they are. Um, and I think, you know, like when we had our, um, operations company, I mean, I think that goes a long way when you're out there helping these guys install panels and, and pick up garbage, man, you just picking up garbage. I think that's important. And so again, I think that was instilled in, into me uh, at a young age, even though I had a lot of issues, um, in my household, I always seen my, my family working hard, my dad as well. And so, um, I just brought that in and that's just who I am as a person. And so, um, I really think that's very important. Yeah, that makes total sense. And for you, man, you, you need somebody to respect. And I think when you, when you really saw your uncle just living the life that you truly felt like success was and should be, that was the first person where you're like, that's who I need to emulate. And it's, it makes sense now hearing your story, how all of those pieces just came together for you. But just to backtrack a little bit, I know business sales, you know, where I know you from now was not really your initial goal right? When you first got introduced to that type of structure, I believe you wanted to take a military route, right? If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. I mean, honestly, uh, I never thought about being in sales. I was always really good with people, um, relationships and things like that. I was always like either the class clown or, um, you know, you know, if I wasn't fighting, I was usually, you know, having fun and, and being a class clown. And so I was always good with relationships, but you know, I, first and foremost, man, I always just felt like I was, I could be different. And I, I really wanted to travel the world. Um, and I just, I didn't want an average life, you know, after everything I had went through. And so, but I had written out my entire plan for my life at a young age. Um, and so I wanted to be in the uh, military and I wanted to be specifically a Marine in the reconnaissance unit. Um, it's their special forces. It's like the Navy SEALs, but it's, um, it's the Marines, right? And I felt like the Marines were the, the baddest of the bad. And so, um, at a young age, I built out a plan where, uh, me and one of my best friends, were going to go into the Marines together. Um, I had already known exactly where I wanted to be stationed at. Um, and what I wanted to do was I wanted to serve six years in the military at a special reconnaissance unit. And, um, I, from there I wanted to go into the DEA and be an undercover, uh, DEA agent. And mostly it's because of what I seen, uh, from my mother and the drugs and what it does to people. And, you know, it, it really was just something like I really wanted to help fight that, that crime, um, for kids and for adults. And so, um, so yeah, man, my, uh, my junior and senior year, um, I was an athlete, but I didn't want to go to college. Um, I really wanted to be in the military. And typically when people ask me, you know, Hey, did you go to college? I said, no, I decided to go work instead. That's really not what happened. Um, it's, that's just a short and abbreviation story. So for junior and senior year of high school, I studied, I marched, um, I worked out nonstop, um, to be a Marine, uh, with my best friend. And, um, we went all the way. Uh, I went through all the testing, uh, took all the tests I needed to take and um, got to MEPS. Um, and I passed all my tests and I went to sit down at the moment of truth. And um, the, they asked me, you know, hey, this is your last time. You can be honest, you know, with us about anything. Have you ever you know, done this or that? And I was scared shitless. And I remember that when I was 12, it was like between 12 and 14 years old. Um, 
you know, my, my dad and my stepmom put me in this, this mental institute. Um, and it was mainly because, you know, they really didn't know how to like control me or work with me or love me. They didn't know how to handle me as an individual. And so the easiest thing for them was to put me into that. And, um, you know, it was mainly my attitude. Um, I wanted attention. Um, even though I said I wanted to kill myself and I wanted to, you know, kill them, um, I really never would have done it, but I wanted attention. Right. And they didn't know that. Right. So I was in there for over a week and I was, um, diagnosed with, with multiple things. And, um, anyways, there was a long detailed report of it. Um, and when I, and I told them, I said, yes, I, I had been, and it, everything stopped. My life changed, uh, drastically from that point on. Um, they called the hospital, they got the full detail report. Uh, and because, you know, they had declared me, uh, certain things and, um, because of what I had said and they said, Hey, you're mentally unstable essentially. Uh, and this was at, like I said, 13 years old. Um, I was now, you know, 18 years old. Uh, they said I, I couldn't uh, move forward. And so my life went to a complete halt. Um, I didn't know what else I wanted to do. I was super depressed. Um, and I tried everything I possibly could to still get in. So for two years of my life afterwards, I was dedicated to doing anything and everything I could to be in the military. So I moved to Florida. Um, I ended up selling uh, cars and working on a boat yard in Florida, um, at a Marina, but all that time I was actually, um, trying to still get into the military. So, uh, I ended up going and seeing a psych person in, in Florida for six months. Um, and he actually declared me mentally stable. I was misdiagnosed, all these things. So fast forward, uh, like two years later, um, I'm still keeping in contact with my recruiters. They say, Hey, move back to Illinois and we'll get you in. So I go back there and they say, Hey, we actually just got word that you're going to have to go to the original doctor that you saw when you were 13 years old. Um, and they're going to have, you're going to have to get them to declare you that they misdiagnosed you and that you're good to go. And so I was like, Holy shit. So never forget it. I know the doctor's name to this day. Um, I researched him. Uh, he no longer saw patients, uh, that were younger, like it was all adults. And, um, I, I tried everything I could to get with him, and he actually did meet with me for three months. And he misdiagnosed me. He declared that he was wrong, which doctors don't do very often. Um, he misdiagnosed me that I was fine. And he even wrote on that there was no reason why I shouldn't be able to serve my, my, um, the, my country in the military. And so I was like, awesome. I am good to go, man. So I'm ready now. I, I reenlist again. And I actually end up sitting down and getting interviewed by like one of the generals in the Marines. Uh, he flies into uh, Illinois to interview me. He puts his stamp of approval on it. Like all these things had to happen. I go back to MEPS and I even see a psych in MEPS in, in St. Louis. And they're like, hey, you're good. Well, literally they're like, okay, so all the paperwork has to be turned in now for the final approval. Literally like, uh, I want to say a month, maybe a few weeks before that, a similar situation to mine happened. Somebody got in and he killed himself while he was in boot camp. And so they said, Hey man, like it's, you're, you're not getting in, man. Like they, they're not letting it happen based on, you know, what just happened. So then I go to the army and I'm like, Hey, I'm going to get into the army instead. Unfortunately, I got to try the army. 
Um, and so I go through the whole thing with them. Again, I learn all the shit with them and um, the same thing happens um, where they're just like, man, um, it, because of what had happened in the Marines, they were, they, they were just very like on pins and needles. And so, yeah, man. So I didn't end up going to the military and dude, it, I was so depressed for like another two years after that, because I'm like, everything I did, I just was like, this just isn't what I want to do. Like, and so I kind of naturally fell into sales, but it even then wasn't what I wanted to do. I really wanted to, I, you know, again, it's that structure. I wanted to be in the military. I wanted to have that, that a personality where I have the structure. I'm with a bunch of badasses, and um, I really wanted that. And my, my best friend ended up going to the military without me, which really was a struggle for me as well because he went without me. And um, yeah, so for a couple of years after that, man, I struggled. I, I applied to the police department um, and, and other things. And um, it just, like uh, you're always on a waiting list, right. To, you know, for the 500th person to try to get in with the police department or the corrections. And so it ended up never working out, man. I kind of fell into sales and um, it was where I just kind of flourished and uh, became really good at, at um, selling, you know, and really, which is just building relationships and um, you know, holding people accountable. And, um, and I did really well at it. So I was like, all right, well, let's try this. That's an incredible story, man. And I really love the part. I just, I would be remiss if I didn't bring this up about how you wanted to get into the DEA because of what you saw with your mom. You're definitely somebody that, and I've always known this about you, but I'm glad you're getting deep and personal here on the show because that's a big piece of what motivates you, right? To see your mom growing up the way she did, feel like you had no control. And I think that's been a big piece of your life is, you know, being bounced around from different place to different place and not having a whole bunch of control. And now being put in a situation where you feel like you've learned structure, you've learned systems, and now I'm going to go apply that. And then to get to the one yard line and have something happen after you've been cleared by that original doctor, and then something totally out of your control with another individual happens, and it just totally sidelines how, how close you got to really achieving your dream. But honestly, man, I feel like everything happens. Like Tony Robbins says, everything happens for us, not to us. And then you ended up in sales where I know you've impacted thousands of people's lives all around the country. And I'm one of them. So from me to you, bro, thank you. Yeah, Seriously. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad that I've had the opportunity to work with so many amazing people and uh, like yourself and, and, and learn from, from people just like you. Right. And uh, it's, it's been an exciting journey. Um, but yeah, you know, going back to that, man, like I blamed every, everybody else, but myself, I blamed my dad for the longest time, man. I had a, I just, I really did, man. I like even my, my, my stepmom today is like, how could you do that? You know, you know, at his age, like you don't, and, and parents don't understand the impact that that could have because honestly, what it really was, was, um, they didn't know how to, you know, work the deal with me. They didn't know, they didn't, they didn't know, right. They don't know what they don't know, but um, you know, I didn't have anybody to talk to and things like that. And so I held it against my dad for a really long time. And I'd say about a year ago, I wrote him a long letter that just said like, Hey man, I want to forgive you for everything. Um, I love you. And I don't want, um, I don't want, but I wanted you to know like how I felt the last, you know, 18, 20 years of my life. Um, and so I wrote a long letter to him and, and you know, made sure he understand it. Like, I want to put all that past me and I'm not blaming you, um, anymore. Um, and, and I am who I am today because of my past and what I went through. And so, 
I would say that's very important as well, man. That took me like a long time to write that letter and, and, and tell my dad how I felt. Um, but it really was a big weight off my shoulders. And I did that because my mom, she died actually, um, about five years ago, my mom died from, from drugs. Um, unexpectedly, my mom always struggled, um, with, with drugs, but she would get better. And, um, she had some surgeries on her feet. My mom was actually a, a, a like a well-known fighter. Um, she like fought with Chuck Norris down the dragon Wilson. And she was like an eighth degree black belt, never lost a fight in her life. And so she had to have reconstructive surgery on both of her feet because of her bones were so messed up from all the kicking. And, uh, you know, she didn't tell the doctors about her past. They put her on pain meds. Well, um, she started taking pain medications, um, uh, along with, uh, extra from her fiance. Um, and she took so many that she suffocated in her sleep. She rolled over, suffocated and, and died. Um, but the reason why I wanted to make sure I wrote that letter was, um, I never actually got a chance to say bye to my mom. She sent me a long text message telling me how sorry she was for what she had put me through, uh, in my life. And, um, I never responded to it. Uh, you know, I st still struggle with it today. Um, I was actually talking with my, to my pastor about how to respond. What I, what should I do? Should I, you know, try to move my mom closer to me to continue helping her? Should I not? Um, and, uh, I never responded to this long text message. And, um, and then I found out that she had passed away. And so that was like one of the biggest struggles for me was like, just not telling her that, Hey, I understand. I, I do love you though. And, um, I just never got a moment to, to say that we kind of ended on, on, I would say like not the best terms. And so I wanted to make sure that my dad knew that like, Hey, I don't want to hold this against you. Uh, I want to create a new relationship. And I told him like, I want a new relationship for the next 30 years with you. Um, one that we can really remember and be thankful for. So yeah, man. That's powerful, bro. And again, man, thank you for sharing all that. It's, it's very, it's humbling when somebody that's in your position, that's achieved what you've already achieved in your life so far at a young age is willing to be this open and vulnerable. And I know it's going to help people listening. So thank you for that. And now you're a father of two on your own, right? And you and I have shared some, uh, some conversations in the past now about labels and about how stuff like that follows you for the rest of your life. And maybe you want to touch on that a little bit for anybody listening that has kids about to have kids, just the importance of how to navigate something like that, because it really can help you for the, it really can hurt you rather for the rest of your life if you don't handle the situation the right way. Yeah. I mean, for me, man, I, I really want to be looked at as like an amazing father. Um, and just know that I was there for my kids and dude, dude, having kids is a struggle, man. It, it is, it is the struggle life. So, uh, it is not easy. And, uh, you know, thankfully I've got an amazing partner my wife, but, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm always like, I've been, open and honest with my, with my daughter, she's, you know, almost 10. And I, you know, I've told her things about my mom and, you know, she remembers really good things about my mom. So I try to keep it very positive, but like, I, you know, I always want my daughter to know, like, you know, what my mom went through. And I even tell her, like, I, I just, one of the biggest things for me is I was lied to a lot growing up. And, um, if you know me, you know, I'm a pretty upfront, honest guy. And I just want to be super trust like I want my kids to trust me and I want to be very honest with them so you know I tell my daughter like the things that I did growing up and make sure that she understands like hey you know you can learn from the mistakes that I've made um and so I try to be very honest and real with both my kids and um so that honestly I feel like a reason why I didn't do drugs growing up was because of what I saw from my mom and and what it did to her and so I think you know 
having, you know, being able to have situations and conversations like that are super important. Um, and, and really, man, just trying to, you know, for me, it was always like, I just want to make a different life for my kids and what I had. And, you know, I could probably say that I've done that. I could stop now and I've already done that. Um, but I'm a dreamer, man. And I want to keep, you know, giving more and more to my kids and, and making sure that they can see the world and, and travel and, 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 you know, uh, have a little bit more structure than what I had growing up, which is important. Um, I think, uh, if I had more structure, you know, uh, maybe it would have been a little different for me. And so, yeah, I think having kids, man, is, is very important to give them somewhat of structure, be open and honest with them. Like, you know, I've cried in front of my daughter, you know, and I've just, you know, like I said, I've told her a lot of things um, from my past. So. Powerful, man. So moving forward from here, right now, you're, you're looking more long-term, right? You started your career in sales, you did really well. And now it's, how do you set yourself up? How do you set your kids up? How do you get to that next point in your life? And I know you're affiliated and you're building relationships with a lot of awesome franchises. I know that's kind of your next thing here. So maybe just in a little bit of time that we have left here, if you want to talk about kind of just your mindset with franchising, your future in terms of investment opportunities, and what you're seeing just to really help set yourself up to continue to live this life that you have, that you've built for yourself. Yeah, dude, I'll tell you first and foremost, man, it's always being humble uh, to always be learning and educating yourself. I'm a kind of a naturally dumb guy. Like I don't come from, you know, my parents didn't go to college. Um, they're, they're smart. I would say like, just from the things that they've done and the industries they've been in. Um, but I'm not naturally like a, a bright person. Right. Um, my mind's a little different. So I think things differently, systems and procedures and just the way I think, but I'm not naturally just very smart and man, I like look around, you know, in our industry and I started to look around I'm like, gosh, man, there's some smart people in this industry, especially from Utah, man. I tell everybody, I'm like, dude, why is everybody so smart that comes out of Utah? And I think a lot of it is their foundation with their church, obviously, and how they do things. Um, so highly respect the LDS culture. I'm not LDS, but highly respect it. And, um, yeah. So for me, it's always like just trying to learn and find different mentors in every season of your life and being humble, like, dude, I need to learn more. And so I always try to like learn a few new things, uh, whether it's every quarter, every six months and, and kind of pinpoint a, a couple people that I really feel like I could learn from. And, um, and so, yeah, so I'll tell you, man, COVID did so much for me as an individual. Um, I had so much time to reflect and, and what I wanted to start doing was like looking at like my life a little differently and like the seasons of my life. Like, what do I want my life to be like for the next 10 years? And then like, what do I want to be known for when I, when I leave, right? Like, what do I really want to do? Had a lot of time to reflect, man. And solar has given me so much opportunity, um, you know, not only income wise, but just like learning and educating and be, being surrounded around some amazing individuals that are just so much further advanced than I am and today even. And so, um, I sat back and I, and I said to my wife, I'm like, you know, I'm really good. Um, and I think this was the one thing that I loved most about like, when I first got into solar, someone was like, all right, dude, here's a door pitch and just go do this. And here's the manual. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. Like it's already all set for you. Just go follow it. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Don't, don't do any of that. Just go follow that. And I did it really well. And so I was like, okay, um, franchising, right? So I sat back and my wife and I said, okay, for the next 10 years, I want to do things with my family and friends, like my closest 
closest family and friends. And a couple of the rules that we established was number one, it had to be like kid and family friendly. If I couldn't do it with my kids, I really just didn't want to be a part of it. You know, I've been a part of a, you know, a company and, and where they've, it's got too corporate. And I'm like, dude, this isn't cool, man. This isn't what I wanted to be a part of. And, and, um, I, I've been a part of companies like that in the past where it's like, you know, I wanted to have my kids be a part of whatever I'm doing. Um, and we had to have fun. Right. And I would say that the third, I guess, would be just, it had to be in health and wellness. Right. So, um, what we established was like a 10 year plan where we were going to start buying franchising. The reason why I loved franchise was because the, the playbook was already there. You just had to be a good operator. And I'm like, all right, this is perfect. I can do this. I don't know anything about franchising. I'll tell you though, man, I, I listened to Aaron Wagner, um, a lot, uh, during COVID and the one repetitive thing that he kept saying was like, stop trying to learn it all, go big and figure it out. Like the best people will figure it out along the way. And I was like, and I kept like for a couple of years, I was thinking about it with my wife. We, we just were like contemplating a lot, trying to plan. I'm like, dude, all right, we just got to like, let's do what Aaron's doing, right? Like, let's just go all in. And I have no idea what I'm doing, but we'll figure it out because we'll either get people around us that are really good and they'll help us build it. Um, or we'll just naturally educate ourselves through trial and error and problem solving. And so let's go big. And so, um, yeah, so we found, uh, so my wife's been a part of burn bootcamp for six years. So we bought a couple franchises with that. Um, and she's doing amazing there. And then we bought, uh, 15 ever bowls with one of my best friends, uh, which is an acai bowl brand. Um, and really, I've been looking for that for like three to four years and I never really found the right brand to attach myself with. But when I learned about Jeff Finster and the CEO of Everbull and what their mission is and what they stand for, their two rules are make friends and have fun. And I'm like, all right. And then it was just an amazing mission that they have. And so we decided to kind of go all in with them and uh, really build that out. But ultimately what I really, the plan that I built was to really build an empire in franchising and what I want to do is I want to own a nonprofit organization where what we do is we bring in and we work with, um, you know, high schools that are a little bit underprivileged and they have a lot of kids that were similar to me, just some punk ass kids that, you know, need some really good structure and mentorship to come in and explain to them like, Hey, you may feel like your life is over. You may not have a lot of mentors, but like, I'm going to give my hand and stick it out to you. And we're going to show you how to channel that inner fire to doing good things. And so what I want to do is I want to build out a four-year program where we take these kids and they have to get certain grade levels. And what they do is they come in and they actually work in our franchises. Um, and we show them everything from top to bottom, culture, mentorship, hiring, firing, leadership, um, P&Ls, assets versus liabilities, how to sweep the floor, you know, all these things. And after four years, they can graduate through the program. And what we'll do is we'll either help them get through college or we'll buy a franchise with them. Um, and they would get 50% equity to start off. And then they can buy us fully out of that equity after five years. And then we would essentially become their capital contributor to where we continue helping them grow from a financial side and mentor them. And for me, man, to be able to look back and say, I've like, we've helped thousands of kids become entrepreneurs or just change things in the world because of how we've, uh, the mentorship and the leadership that we've given them. I love working with kids, man. I love working with like, like kids that just, you know, don't come from a lot and, and are just kind of punks. 
and uh, I love I love working with them. And so for me, that's really what I want to, want to do. And ultimately, in order to do that, you have to make a lot of money and you have to have a big empire. So I was like, all right, let's let's do that and let's start building that. I have no idea how we're gonna do it or you know even anything about nonprofits, but we'll figure it out. And so that's like my long term ten year game plan. Um, is really what I want to do. Talk about a full circle story, man. I don't think there's, there could have been a better way to end this episode, man. Your vision is crystal clear and I am so pumped for you. And I've known you for a couple of years now, but to hear your story from start to finish, man, I just want to remind you, you're a powerful dude and you're going to change a lot of people's lives even more than you already have. So Derek, thank you for your time, brother. I appreciate you. Where can people find you? Because I know somebody's going to listen to this and say, how do I get in touch with this guy? So can people find you on Instagram, Facebook? Where do they connect with you? Uh, yeah, find me on Instagram. It's Derek underscore Landino, I think. Um, and feel free uh, you know, to reach out. I, will, I always want to be like just a regular guy that's never too good for anybody. And so feel free to re- reach out, man. I'd love to you know, chat with anybody that has questions on solar or franchising or business, anything in between, um, or even depression and struggles that you've had. So um, I'd love to chat on that. And uh, Brett, man, I, I really, really admire what you're doing, man. I really do. Uh, it's, it's scary to do what you're doing. And I really want to say like, congratulations to you as well, man, and, and your wife. And um, it's awesome to see, man. Thank you, bro. Dude, you had a lot of inspiration, whether you believe it or not, or whether you know it or not, you had a lot of inspiration for me to do this. So thank you, man. And I appreciate your time. And for everybody listening, thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Grow to Gold podcast. If you haven't yet subscribed, please make sure you do so so you never miss an amazing episode just like this. Like, review, help us to grow this thing organically so we can reach millions of people around the world. And I look forward to seeing you next time on the Grow to Gold podcast. Take care and thank you for your time.